0: to be is what you want of me lord i give my life to you and all my hopes and dreams and plans i place within your hands and plans, I place within your hands, Lord, and give my life to you. Every day you give me grace, I find my strength in you, Lord, I give my life to you, and though it seems that I would fail, through you I will prevail. I give my life to you, here am I, Lord, use me, take my life and hold me, all I ever want to be is what you want of me, Lord, I give my life to you, and all my hopes and dreams and plans, Place within your hands, Lord, and give my life to you. Thank
1: you, Joy and Daniel. Well, Matt and Courtney Jones first met these folks at Amazing Grace Baptist Camp, I think, when you were directing the camp, and I think Darla was serving there at least for a summer. And uh, I've really always enjoyed the friendship with these. Folks, and I, as I read their missionary letters, I mean, they're, they're no two alike. Uh, they're never boring. Now, I'm not saying the missionary letters are boring sometimes. I'm just telling you theirs never are, okay? And they have enjoyed many blessings through the years. But, I mean, if you've read their letters, you know they have faced a lot of challenges. I mean, when I think of, when I think of missionaries that would, would really need some, some extra grace and some real courage from the Lord, some strength, uh, I think of the Jones. I, I know, I know God has taken care of them and met their needs, but it hasn't been easy. But they've been faithful to the Lord, and I'm just so glad to have you as a part of our missionary family. And you just come tonight, get us up to date, preach us a good hot message, and brother, we'll be grateful. Amen.
2: Good. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Carsey's. Uh One thing historically, if you ever ask me what it's like to come back to Harvest Hills. I'll always know that there's going to be a time of encouragement with Pastor Carsey's. Uh, We cemented our friendship probably close to 20 years ago uh, playing golf. Uh, you can learn a lot about uh, a couple of people when they're on the golf course together. And we, were, we realized we were kindred spirits at that point in time because we're both, well, he's a much better golfer, at least than he was in his prime, and I haven't golfed in years, so I don't think I was ever any good to begin with. But uh, I certainly appreciate getting to come back here see you folks at, uh, here at Harvest Hills. And I want to start with a, maybe a good Oklahoma question. How many of you have ever watched... Uh, a rodeo either live or on TV you've seen a rodeo like okay so I would assume here in Oklahoma that's like one of the prerequisites to high school graduation right as you have to ride something either a bull or a horse before they will let you graduate and uh, for us I just want to say the last few years since we were here last in 2016 for the missions conference uh, it's been a little bit like a rodeo where you're riding a bull and uh, you know you've got this picture of a guy who is, you know, this cowboy, and he's got his hat on right, and he's got the cool outfit, or if you like the kind of outfit, a cool outfit, and he's he's there, and he's got his hand tied into that bull, and he's got his other hand up in the air, and his legs where they need to be out front, or however it is, and he's, he's riding that bull for eight seconds, and then everything is great, and he kind of slides off, you know, and walks away, holds his hat up. That bull represents life and pure chaos and craziness that goes on. And this guy gets on the bull and just rides it, has a great time, you know, makes it look like everything's easy. That is not us, all right? We're the guy who, have you ever seen a guy who ties his, when he ties his hand on and then he gets it like wrapped into a knot and he can't get loose from the bull? Have you ever seen that? That's us, all right? And the bull starts jumping around and your hand is like caught in there and the guy is like flipping around like a, like a, a doll, you know, about to get thrown into the middle of next week and he can't get loose and life is beating the tar out of him, uh, just hoping for the chance to, uh, you know, throw him to the ground and stomp on him a couple times. That's more like what life has been like for us in the last five years. So what you're going to see in this video and the things that we're going to share tonight, I want you to definitely see it from that perspective of uh, the Lord has been working, life has been crazy for us all, and I'm just thankful that we were able to hold on for the ride because the Lord is very good. And uh, so what I'm going to do now is is show you uh, a little bit of a video, but now I've got to give this disclaimer. This video is from 2019 when our family was in the States last. We were just here in the summer right now for a short couple of months, a couple of things going on that I'll share later, but this video is from when my kids were considerably smaller, we were just starting out uh, uh, with the ministry, and so what's going to be maybe a little bit refreshing is since this video was in 2019, there's not a single word about COVID in it, all right, you don't have to listen to one single thing about how COVID has shut this down or COVID has shut that down, but in this video, you'll see how the Lord dealt uh, dealt with the folks there in our new town from 2016 to 2019
1: so I have
2: We're the Jones family, I'm Matt. I'm Courtney. And uh, it's been a lot of years since we've seen many of you guys, so we wanted to give you a brief update on our family. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm 18, and I start college at Bob Jones University this fall. Hi, I'm
0: Erica,
1: I'm 17, and I'll be a senior in high school. Hi, I'm Trevor, I'm 15, and I'm starting ninth grade this year. Hi, I'm Tyler, I'm starting in sixth grade this year.
2: It's been almost 12 years since our family moved to Thailand and we're so excited about the way god has led us through all these years and in the last three years we moved to a small district town of brasat and we wanted to show you guys a little bit about what the lord's been doing here and just say thank you guys so much for your years and years of faithful financial and prayer support and give you guys a bit of an idea of what god's been doing here Back in February of 2016, we returned to Thailand knowing that in our third term, we planned to leave the provincial capital of Sarin and move to a district city called Brasad. There was a Thai lady who was a Christian living in Brasad. Who was hoping someone would come and help her with an evangelistic outreach and the goal of starting a local church in that community so in march of 2016 after almost nine years of living in sarin city the jones family moved to the district city of brasat we spent about four months getting to know the people in the community before beginning meetings in the home of another lady who lived in the city for about eight months we met each week in that living room with anywhere from three to thirty people present but only two or three of those people had ever been to church before, so everything that we did was new to them from the songs, praying, listening to the Bible. Everything was a new experience to them. After those first few months, we had to move into a rented building for Sunday mornings, and we continued to grow. <laughs> The Holy Spirit has continued to work in the hearts of our friends in that community with several more people coming to Christ and being baptized. Now each week, our group hovers around 20 to 25 people who meet for singing, fellowship, and preaching. During the past three years, the Lord has opened up some really amazing doors for our family to be involved in ministry opportunities we never expected. Probably the most exciting has been the chance to minister to missionary families through our annual MK camps. The very first one began in 2016 with 34 MKs, and the camp in 2019 has 65 missionary kids signed up from all over Thailand, Cambodia, Myanmar, and even as far away as India. This is just an awesome opportunity that continues to grow. The Lord even opened up the door for Matt and Trevor to travel to Peru and take part in a missionary kid camp there as well. Closer to home, we've been busy in our local community with a number of events that have given us a chance to share the gospel. We have a really good relationship with a local school that's allowed us to bring teams from American churches into the schools beyond that we've had open doors to teach in our local universities local border patrol office even local high school students that come to our office to find us we're excited about the future here in Brasad. we were joined in january 2019 by watt and amanda de Santad, and their three children and watts going to be covering the preaching and teaching responsibilities here in brasat at the church while we're in the states then when we get back in january of 2020 watt hopes to start a church over in his hometown about an hour and a half to the east of here in Sisekade province, and Lord willing, we'll have a hand in that and be able to help him out as well.
1: We wanna say thank you for loving our family and praying for our family. Please continue to pray this next year as we transition to sending kids off to college, Lindsay this fall and Erica next year.
2: As we move forward with the church plant here in Brassad and also a new church plant in Sisekade province, Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers into the harvest. And if you're interested in coming for a visit here in Thailand, you're always welcome. Where it
0: is? We'll chop it. There you go. All right.
2: One, two, three. That's not even right. Yeah, this one way be fast you just stop it
0: and
2: then you start it and then you sit down man the lighting is perfect on that it's too bright all right you ready i didn't see me Going on there, Um, I just can't thank you guys enough for the long, long long-term relationship that we've had with you guys. As Pastor said, uh, we do have two girls in college now. Those girls who were considerably smaller and shorter—they were—they were—I guess they were all a lot Uh, shorter—they were getting ready to start college. And now Lindsay is a junior at Bob Jones, Erica is a sophomore, criminal justice major. Uh, and then Trevor and Tyler are 17 and 13. And, Pastor, it's kind of a toss-up between which is more expensive, two college tuitions at once or two teenage boys, all right? The two paying for them to eat, uh, it, it just kind of goes 50-50. It's always, a you know, a break each month trying to figure out who's going to eat more, who's going to cost more. But uh, we're, we're very thankful to be here in the States for this summer. You saw a little bit there, and uh, I want to kind of further elaborate on some of the things like with our friends Watt and Amanda that came and joined us, and they lived with us there in our town for about a year. And Watt was uh, married to this this girl, Amanda, who was also the one who went with us to the field, uh, you know, 15 years ago almost, so that she could homeschool our kids. And she homeschooled our kids while we went to language school. And then when we moved up to our corner of the country, she stayed in the little church where we were working in Bangkok and helping out. Uh, basically fell in love with the Thai assistant pastor there, and the two of them got married, and they've been married now for, I don't know, close to 10 years, and now they are living about an hour to the further east of us in his hometown, they have been meeting there for over a year, so our church in the initial days when they were starting out, after they lived in our our town for a year and got to know our people, they were kind of like a church sent out of our little church. And so our people would go over for afternoon services, and we would go and have services there when they had only one or two people, and that was an encouragement to Watt and an encouragement to his family. His mom was saved uh, early on and is now faithful to the Lord there, which is a very, very Big answer to prayer for him. And so we also have some other friends to the west of us, uh, la- the Lowry family that are good friends of ours. And so now they're in the provincial capital of Buriram. Surin is where we were for about 12 or 13 years. It was the provincial capital. We moved to a very, very small district town called Brasat, which is half an hour south. And Wat and Amanda are about an hour or so to the east. So now we have, after many, many years, of really just our, our family after our coworkers retired, in 2011, uh, we were we were about three hours from the next foreign family, and now after a number of years, the Lord has worked it out so that now we have four fam- well three three families, and then our Thai pastor leading the city church there up in Surin. So all of these things were were wonderful, and just we we look back and see see the hand of the Lord in it. And you saw something about the missionary kid camp. So have anybody ever heard of a, a missionary kid camp before? All right, this was a thing that kind of showed up with us that um, really was because the Lord, the Lord obviously knows everything well before it takes place. And when we were up in Kansas City, I was in seminary for a few years there, and they were looking for somebody to work at this little little rural camp in Ottawa, Kansas, or the, the metropolis of Ottawa, Kansas it is. Uh, it's called Amazing Grace Baptist Camp. And so we went over and started working there part-time. That became a full-time job, and we were just super happy. I mean, we were ready to spend the rest of our days there. There before the Lord called us to Thailand in 2005. So we packed up. We raised support, and you guys were one of our first churches to take us on, I believe, probably around 2006. Uh, I definitely know it was before we left for the field in early 07. Uh, but th- you guys have been supporting us ever since then, and we kind of thought, okay, our camp days are on. You know, just they're just behind us. And then a few years ago, some friends of ours said, hey, why don't you guys think about starting a camp for missionary kids, foreign missionary kids living in Southeast Asia? And, and we were like, hey, that's a great idea. So we started doing this, and all of a sudden, it, it just exploded. I mean, people were coming out of the woodwork, people we've never heard of before, people from other countries, people contacting us from all around. And at about that same time, I started working on uh, a graduate degree up at Maranatha Baptist University. And when I got down to the end of that degree, I had to write a paper, a big paper, and talk about something. And so I decided to write about why MK camps were meeting the needs and the, the felt and real perceived needs, the perceived and real needs of these families why people were so willing to come who were uh, on all sides of, of every issue would we were willing to come and go to MK camp. And so we started reading, uh, learning about that, and then began to talk to the Wilds Christian Camp in North Carolina about the idea of doing this in other places. And that's how the Peru camp, the South American MK camp came about, was done in, in, in working with the Wilds. Those of you who don't know what the Wilds camp is, it's a, it's a big camp in North Carolina. Uh, and so... That took place, and then we had an opportunity to put on the calendar a trip to South Africa for an MK camp. That one did get postponed because of COVID. Uh, see, you couldn't get through a presentation without saying it, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting toward the end. and We won't have to say it much more, but uh, we're hoping to get that back on the calendar soon. But then part of the reason we're here this summer was the Wild said, hey, there are missionaries just all over the states who are locked out of their countries, people that are just cannot get back into corners of Asia, especially mainland China, places like Africa. There's just certain places where it's just too hot, it's just too crazy, there's just too much going on there. There's regulations and visas are not being issued. So there are all these missionary families that are stuck in the States. They said, why don't we do a first-ever week-long missionary kid camp here at the Wilds? and they contacted me and said, Matt, if we did that, would you be willing to come back and speak for uh, the chapels for that? And I said, oh yeah, for sure. And so we were uh, looking at the um, a huge spike in Thailand. I know folks, we we, talk, we were sitting here with no masks on and so forth. It's such a blessing, but in Thailand, we have had 98% of our COVID cases have taken place since April of this year until the present time. We're talking about barely 10,000 total cases over all of last year from that to 1.2 million cases now. And those, that 1.2 million has happened since April of this year. So with all that going on, church got, got canceled again for us uh, in May. And so that's when we were like, okay, let's go ahead and go back to the States. Let's go back and see our daughters. Lindsay had been here uh, alone for about a year and a half, closing in on two years. We were like, we should go back, spend some time with family. Courtney's parents had retired, moved to the South Carolina area. So we were like, let's just, let's do that. So that's kind of why we're out here uh, or back here in the States for a few months but we did not get to get back here to this church in 2019, so it was a high priority uh, if we were anywhere near the area to get back here and see you guys. And so here we are, and we're so thankful for the chance to be here. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to continue to do with MK Ministry. I mean, I can't even tell you, those of you who are uh, familiar, you know any missionary kids, you know there's a, there's a wealth of needs there represented. Uh, the Wilds actually agreed to uh, publish a book that I wrote. It's a, it's a God night time booklet that's meant to be a fill-in-the-blank Bible study. And so this was published and edited by the Wilds for me to be able to, well, they, I gave them gave it over to them. They actually have ownership of all of it. I have a few copies for sale on my desk outside there, but it's just basically to try to be a help to provide a, a bit of literature that is not available anywhere else. There is nothing like an MK Bible study that I have ever been able to find through all the work that I did with my my program up at Maranatha and talking to other friends who deal a lot with third culture kids. So this was a big deal, but we're so thankful. Uh, other opportunities that have opened up in the in the days to come, we're looking forward to a continued ministry with missionary kids in our church plant. While we're church planning, we're also able to do things online. And obviously that is something that we're familiar with now as, as many folks have gone to a, a digital format of meeting with people just this past Friday, Pastor. We uh, had set up with another family what we're calling the southeast asian mk community the c mk community and the idea is that we would have a zoom meeting for missionary kids in southeast asia who are in complete lockdown for most of them they're stuck in their provinces they're they're not able to even travel across to their to their other friends and so forth and there's been cancellations of the camp the last two years a lot of a lot of just heavy weight that we say yeah these missionaries are taking it they're having a hard time and the parents are able to kind of squeeze out doing things but the isolation and 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 the experience of being a missionary kid in this time is really, really, I mean, we're talking, it's tough for a lot of kids. And so we said, why don't we do something online? So we started doing that Uh, last Friday morning, our time, which was Friday night, Thai time. Uh, and we had no idea who was going to come. We were hoping for maybe 15 kids to show up, and we had right at 40, I think it was, for the for the hour-long meeting that we did with them. And so, Lord willing, we're going to make that a, a twice-a-month thing where we'll just meet online and talk to them. And then in in conclusion of what, all that's going on with Thailand, October 18th is our our date to return. Uh, we've got our tickets purchased. Just uh, I had a ticket, and my son Trevor had a ticket, long story, but Courtney and Tyler did not, so we just paid for their one-way ticket. $900 a piece, and as it sits right now, when we go back on October 18th, we'll arrive there on the 19th, we will be shuttled immediately from the airport uh, by people in hazmat suits. They will meet you there. That's provided you can get through the gauntlet of paperwork that's required to get what they call the certificate of entry to be able to return. We already have visas, but just to be able to return, you have to have a certificate of entry. You'll be met there as you come off the plane by people, I mean, full white suits and gloves, and uh, they'll come and take you in a, in a private car and your family to a quarantine hotel, one that we have to pay for up front. Uh, those are, you don't even want to know. I mean, they're, they're in the thousands of dollars that you have to spend. You have to actually, before you can go, you have to have a COVID test, a, a RT-PCR test before you can even go. And then while you're in quarantine, you have three more tests while you're locked into your room. And so everybody in the family has to have a total of four uh, we'll pay about $6,000 for the quarantine plus the tickets. And then once you're, you're done with that, you're finally released to get out. But it's 15 nights in one room. Actually, we'll, we'll do two rooms, uh, one for the boys and one for us. But imagine 15 nights in a hotel room where you can't even you're, – and you're not allowed to open the door. Uh, in most of these hotels, you can't walk out, and if you want to pay another $1,000, you can get a uh, a three-foot by six-foot balcony at some of the hotels. <laughs> and so we're looking at it like, that's stupid. Who'd pay that? And then we're looking at the thought of, like, being literally in a room with no outside air thinking – thousand dollars is a pretty good deal for a balcony isn't it (laughs) and so uh you just keep praying for that as we are also still talking about all the things that go on with putting kids through college uh going back and forth but we're excited because we know that uh we we believe and most of the thai government believes we have we have turned the corner on uh the rise of cases there and they've started to descend in thailand and so um our church was able to meet two weeks ago, for the two Sundays ago, for the first time in about four months. And so our Thai pastor friend, Watt, was over there with them, sent us pictures just yesterday. And they, our folks were super happy to hear that we had a, a return date. Now, I'm using up all my time. I've only got 45 more minutes here. Uh, wait, did I, did I say that right? 45? That takes us. 7.30? Is that right, Pastor? You said? <laughs> just kidding. All right, we'll get out of here at normal time. But I do want to share with you guys some thoughts. That uh, I really I heard some things this morning that were being said that in Sunday school and in the morning service that really kind of just resounded with what resounded with what I was thinking here in his events and experiences and 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 education takes place in our life, you know, no matter how old you are, especially though when you're young, you young people are at a key time when you're in these developmental years where where all the information that's coming into your head is so important because it's starting to shape the way you think about stuff. Those, those experiences, they really combine together and create what we would kind of call our worldview. They create the way you see the world. So as, as, as information has come into your, your, your thinking, their shared values and assumptions and beliefs, those things all merge together and they create what we call a culture, you know, and that's a culture that we live in. We all live in a distinct culture and we typically will gravitate toward people who see the world the same way we do, that share a similar culture or a similar worldview to us. We, we gravitate toward people who have the same beliefs and values and assumptions that we have. And then we kind of look at people who don't have our beliefs and values and assumptions, and say, "Hey, they're a little bit unusual. They're a little bit, little bit strange, or a little bit, a little bit weird." And so, what, when I was, for me, now I was born in rural East Tennessee, and I mean rural. It was very rural, uh, very basic, very what we call single or monocultural, just a very single we didn't do anything crazy. We didn't do anything interesting. Uh, I mean, the world was very small. Special food for me was like chicken nuggets. You know what I'm saying? If we could go and hit that McDonald's up and get a 10 pack of chicken nuggets, glory. That was a great, it was a great week. You know what I mean? I was always happy to hit up something fancy. If we ever wanted to get really fancy, it was chicken tenders, but I was more of a nugget kind of guy. I can remember being there in, uh, you know, all my family is in the same town. Every one of my family members was in that town. Anybody else have that happen? Is that really weird? I grew up thinking that's the way it was. But my parents, my grandparents on both sides, every aunt and uncle on my mom's sides, every aunt and uncle on my dad's side, all of my cousins, every single one of them lived in the same county. I think my dad lived one county away, but it's still 15 minutes. Anybody else lived that way? All right, Pastor Carsey's a couple here. I mean, it was literally... My whole world was just right there. We didn't travel. We didn't go anywhere. We had Christmas at our house with everybody there, and everybody got everybody a present. And there was just this, it was all very, very small. Everybody, you know, had these big gardens, and you grew up. You know, sitting around together with like five-gallon buckets of of green beans. anybody ever, ever anybody ever sit under a shade tree at your at your parents' house and break green beans by the bucket full? Anybody here? Oh man, you guys just don't even know what you're missing. Kids, go find a bucket of beans and just break them. All right, and sit there and then uh, pressure cooking. anybody ever pressure cook? You know, growing up, I mean, that's how you live. You you know, come January, there's no green beans growing, so you go to the basement and get them out of the out of the off the shelf down there where you pressure cooked them and the summer before. And so that was the kind of the world that I lived in, but I contrast that with the early years of of my children and their existence, who are extremely multicultural or very diverse cross-cultural kids. I have four kids, like I said, ages 13 to 20. Uh, Some or all of them have flown to or flown through the following countries. Listen to this. I may have forgotten some, but Thailand, Cambodia, Myanmar, South Korea, Singapore, Japan, London, Uh, they've been in Paris, they've been in Ireland, they've been in Scotland, they've been in Russia, they've been in Qatar, they've been in Spain, they've been in Peru, and and I've never even tried to count the American airports, the U.S. airports that they've flown through. I mean, my kids have grown up with a completely different worldview than I have, a whole smattering of, of influence and stuff from the outside that was speaking into their life that was completely different than the way... I grew up. Now, they've grown up eating food that would be considered foreign or exotic to us. They have, uh, you know, crickets. We've eaten crickets for as long as we've been in Thailand. I think I've probably brought some here before, but uh, you haven't lived till you've had stir. It's with soy sauce on them, All right, Listen, don't judge me, all right? Don't judge me. They're delicious, all right? I see some of you looking around. Now, the, uh, the 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 little worms they have there, the little grubs, the silkworms, now those I can pass on. They're like chewing on a piece of wood pulp, and it kind of squishes out in your mouth. Not so good. Crickets, delicious, though. You can't go wrong with the good crickets. Who needs popcorn when you've got crickets? And I think they're probably, you know, probably like, you know, kosher or whatever. What is it? You know, like, you know, if you have a... Uh, you know, allergies, you can still eat peanuts, I guess. I don't know, you can eat whatever, you can eat crickets with me if you come visit. But, I mean, we've had frogs, we've had snakes, we've had eels, uh, the occasional piece of dog jerky. Don't judge me again, all right, it's not bad. I've had dog jerky on only one occasion. But my kids have grown up with this sort of exposure to be always being the minority. My kids have never known life where they were not the minority, where they were not the, the, the strange foreign children in the middle of a a place where they don't have ownership. And so, you know, have you ever stopped and thought about your own elements of your life, how they are and have been shaped or are being shaped? You know, what what are the things that right now at your age, even, even as older adults or middle age or wherever you are in life, what are the things that are shaping your worldview? Because our worldview is constantly changing. Not our beliefs, but the way we understand them is constantly changing. So some of you, you know, you might have been just like me, very single culture, very monocultural. Uh, others of you have been to places and you've seen things that it's it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe what it's like to stand at Machu Picchu in, on the Incan Trail in Peru and, and describe that to somebody or to see Angkor Wat in Cambodia and try to describe how majestic it is to watch the sunrise behind Angkor Wat. But my point here is that there's so many things that I like tonight just to take a few minutes and stop and ask us, what are the things that are shaping our worldview? Now, as we look into God's Word, which we're going to do, we find the truth there. There's a starting place for developing our Christian worldview. Uh, and this worldview will guide us through the maze of life that we have. So today, I want to put forth three things or three thoughts or three conditions that really they should be at the core of our worldview as believers. Now, if you're not a believer here tonight, this just keep listening, hang in there, uh, catch the bits and pieces that make sense to you. I understand it's going to be a little bit confusing, but for those of us who are believers, there are some big thoughts that ought to be like anchors that hold us to where we should be and need to be in this life some big thoughts about our God and about his word and about our relationship to him. You know, an Anchor, what it does, it doesn't hold you exactly in the same spot. It lets you move a little bit like this, but it doesn't let you get, your, your boat get caught in the current and drift out to sea. So what we're talking about here are some of these big thoughts that ought to be nailed down hard in our hearts so that when the worst things happen to us in life, that we're not blown away by them. And so one of the things that I see first here, number one, is the reality of your heavenly citizenship. The reality of your heavenly citizenship ought to be at the core of your worldview. Now you say, what am I talking about? What are we getting from? The reality of your heavenly citizenship, it ought to be at the core of your worldview. Look at Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, and I'll read several verses here, what Paul is teaching along these lines. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, Are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, are you getting where we're already in two verses here? He's given us a picture. There was group A and group B, and they were divided and they were separated, and there was a wall between them, and they were not close together. In verse 15, he says, Having abolished in his flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments, contain in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. And for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and what? What are you no know more? Strangers and foreigners. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Huh, interesting words here. You are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So what Paul is illustrating here is that you're no longer strange people. You're no longer separated. You're no longer broken away where there's good Christians and there's there's the other people there. there there's no longer this wall of like haves and have-nots. There's There's only a wall that's been broken down, and now we're all one in Christ. And so what he's saying here is that if you have been saved by the grace of God, you are part of God's eternal family, and you are a citizen of heaven. Now, my good friend Watt that was on the video there what when he married an american girl amanda they got married they had a couple of kids they said hey let's go to the states and visit my parents go visit amanda's parents and so they went to apply at the embassy they they sent in their application rejected said no way you're not going to america So he waited a little while, went back again, filled out his application, paid the money. They said, rejected, you're not going to America. The third time, he goes back in again, uh, pays the money, fills out the application, has the interview, and they said, rejected, you're not going to America. We're not letting you go to America. We think you'll disappear, or we think you're just going there to do whatever. He's married to an American, has American children, still can't get permission to get in. They said, if you want to come to America, you've got to go through the process of becoming a citizen. So he did that. He came here to the States, was able to get here when he was willing to agree to that, stayed for five years. They raised their support to become missionaries and go back. And he also earned his American citizenship. So now the difference is when he shows up at America's doorstep, there is no more asking for permission. There is no more requesting the opportunity to go and visit a place. He he now has citizenship. And when you look at what Paul is saying here he's saying that we are fellow citizens with all the saints that have come and we will inherit the same citizenship <clears throat> through Jesus Christ together and that refers to Thai saints the Cambodian saints the 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 Yankees who talk funny, the Dallas Cowboy following saints. I mean, there's, there's much grace here given, all right, because there's a lot of grace has to be given in that situation. Uh, but we're talking about the, all across Africa, all across of Russia, the Chinese. All of these people share in the same heavenly citizenship. And folks, that is a, a key component to who we are in Christ is to remember what Paul is is, is saying here. And, he's, and it's not just there. He says it in Philippians chapter 3 as well. If you want to flip over a few pages to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he says this, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this word conversation was translated from Greek and they made it conversation here, but the exact same Greek word was back there in Ephesians chapter 2, and it was translated what? Citizenship. So what Paul is saying here is that your citizenship, but not just your, it makes it personal, our. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he says that to make it clear for us that our heavenly citizenship it should supersede our loyalty to our to our heavenly kingdom should and must supersede loyalties to this earthly kingdom. You know, whatever we're letting speak truth into our mind, it's constantly battling for our attention. It's constantly battling for our affection. It's constantly battling to make us think one way or the other. And it's so easy for us to take in lots of information from one source and be utterly convinced that that source is the only legitimate source. I mean, if you were to say, "Hey, I uh, I want to see about uh, you know saving the dolphins because big pharma and big oil they're trying to kill all the dolphins. They're poisoning the dolphins in the in the Gulf Coast." And, and you start listening to that, and you start watching so and so's blog or, or reading uh, whatever. You know, do you read a blog? You read a blog. You listen to a podcast. You know, and so you start you start funneling in all this information and you're like yeah that's right that's right that's right and you go over to the fence the next day and talk to your neighbor and say hey man do you hear what they're doing to the dolphins down off the coast of Louisiana and he's like middle note never talk to that guy again he's weird all right But my point here is this if we're not careful With what we allow to shape our thinking, what we allow to go into our head, we can find ourselves alienated and unable to communicate the truth of the gospel. And what I'm saying is that our anchor, especially more than ever in this day and age, needs to be our heavenly citizenship that ties us to the thing that's most important. Whatever contingent issue that might come up, and I'm not going to dare touch any of them that are going on in our society today. That's up to your pastor to talk about. But they're so divisive. And the question is this, is it more important to be a heard on an issue or is it more important to be promoting the fact that we are citizens of God's eternal kingdom? I want to see people from Thailand come to know Christ. I want to see people right here in this town come to know Christ. I want to see people in South Carolina come to know Christ. And sometimes, if I let myself fill my head with too much stuff from Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or or, or what else am I forgetting? Tw- Twitter or or CNN or Fox News, I can find myself getting flooded with messages that are saying the same thing. And eventually, I start to get so off balance in what I'm saying because I've let things shape my worldview that I start to diminish my ability to communicate the gospel with people. And folks, that's a dangerous, scary, and sad place to be. And right now, I think it's such a massive temptation, is it not? Is it not such a temptation to want to just hunt people down and say, hey, let's talk about this divisive issue. Let's talk about this. Let me tell you what I read. Let me tell you what I saw. And in doing so, are we potentially going to alienate ourselves from 50% of the population of America? Because they're on that side. And as soon as you bring up that issue, they're not going to listen to your story about the gospel anymore. And so what I'm saying is, for me, I've got to come back to this point where I'm like, you know what? What matters is God's kingdom. What matters is my citizenship, my eternal heavenly citizenship that is secure and is, and is locked in. I am a citizen of God's eternal kingdom, and I want everybody that I know to be a, a member, to be a citizen, to be part of that kingdom. Uh, number two tonight, just moving on here because our time's going to get away from us, I believe that the examples that were set for us in the biblical narratives, the biblical Old Testament stories are are also another thing that ought to shape your Christian worldview. The lives of those Old Testament men and women, we might call it our, our heavenly heritage or something like that, those Old Testament narratives. And when pastor was preaching this morning from and teaching from the book of Numbers and then telling us about what was going on as the people were coming out of Israel and showing principles from that for life, man, that's right on. It's exactly what we need. And in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, Wherefore, or in light of this, because of all of this, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, talking about, we know, because if you're familiar with the scripture, you know those names are full all through the verses of Hebrews chapter 11. And he begins to share in Hebrews chapter 11 all the details about these people. And we don't, again, we don't have time to talk about historical facts about Abraham, but we know we met him in Genesis chapter 12. And the first words we read about him are what? Abram, get up. Go, get away from your house, take off, go to a new land, go to a strange place, go to a place where your family's not living. And then you find out about Isaac. What's he do? Genesis 24 to 26, he's moving everywhere. He's got no roots. The same thing would be said, true, about Jacob, about Joseph, about Moses. He's, he's moved out of his home. He moves into this place. He runs to Midian. He comes back, and then he goes off, and he, and he finally you know, goes all the way up toward Canaan before finally dying. And so my point is this. These Old Testament heroes, these Old Testament saints, that the writer says in verse 12, in chapter twelve, verse one, saying, "See, and we're 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 always looking at these this cloud of witnesses. We should lay aside all the things that are trying to stop us. Well, what's true about all these witnesses? What's true is that they were global nomads. They were people who were not connected to any one place." They were people who were willing in simple faith to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. If it involves me going here, going there, talking to this person, being outside of my own culture, my own customs, my own traditions, being away from my family, they did it. And they did it over and over and over again. I mean, you think about it. uh, how How many folks in the Old Testament really enjoyed a really long stint of time in one geographic location? I mean, you think about it, and you get down to it, and you might talk about King Saul, King David, Solomon, and then everything goes completely falls apart. And there's people that are getting, you know, their land's being taken, they're getting moved here, then the exile takes place. And my point is this, in light of all of these witnesses, in light of all of these Old Testament narratives, these people ought to shape our worldview. What are they saying? They're saying to us, hold on to this world lightly. Hold on to the things of this world lightly. And be willing to release them, because sometimes it's hard, isn't it? I mean, man, when you're locked into a place and you know the people, you know the town. My, my father-in-law would be pastored for 35 years in South Georgia, a town of about 2,000 people, 3,000 people probably at its heyday. I mean, a tiny little town. And after 35 years of being down there, he retired in January and moved from, from South Georgia up to, to Greenville, South Carolina. And the guy is like a fish out of water. I mean, he, was, he would rather have just stayed there and, and died and spent his last years there, uh, but to go, and, and he felt like this was where the Lord wanted him to go. And so, admirably, he said, yeah, let's pack up and leave. They sold probably 80% of what they owned or 70% of what they owned, and they still have too much stuff because that's the way grandparents are, and uh, they, they moved to South Carolina. Guys, I'm not asking you to do that tonight but the lord knows what he wants you to do or you you know what the lord's talking to you about doing and i think that it's essential for us to remember that number 1 our earthly citizenship does not have any value compared to our heavenly citizenship that the reality of our heavenly citizenship ought to be at the core of your worldview and also as i said there that the examples of our heavenly heritage ought to be at the core of your christian worldview they ought to be the things that shape your thinking is going back and looking at what they did because those guys are your cloud of witnesses they are your Testimony of how life ought to be lived, and they all lived it in such a way that by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, they went, they went, they went, they did this, they did that, and they were constantly willing to go where God wanted them. So let that shape your worldview. And, and again, I'm, I'm running low on time here, but number three, our heavenly home ought to affect our Christian worldview. Our heavenly home. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11. In the in section where he's talking about all these men of the faith and so forth, he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. These guys were just looking to the future. They didn't get what they were waiting for. But having seen them afar off, out on the horizon, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and what? Pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. Pilgrims on the earth for they that say these things declare plainly they seek a country they say that they're looking for something else they're looking for something beyond the permanent that's here in america or here in your own life they're looking for something that's i'm sorry looking for something that's beyond the immediate and the temporary of our life and they said they're looking out on the horizon of life And in verse 15 truly if they had been mindful if they're thinking of their old country from where they came they might have had opportunity to have returned i mean if they said hey i'd rather be back there at home God might have given them the chance to go back, but these guys were constantly looking out on the horizon. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country. That is, that is an heavenly or a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And if we had time, we would talk more about this and talk about how these guys pursued God, not knowing where they're going to go, not knowing what it was going to bring them to, not knowing where it was going to take them, I mean, these guys were looking for a city made by God, a homeland not of this earth, a heavenly country, verse 16 says. But did they, did they die disappointed? No. They weren't disappointed that they didn't see it. They, were, they knew the best was yet to come. So what I'm saying to us today is this simple reminder, because none of us holds all the truth of Scripture in our mind at one time. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of the simple, basic things. And this is a simple, basic truth about life, is that our eternal heavenly home is with Christ in his kingdom. And that ought to shape our worldview in a tremendous way, in a major way. It ought to be an anchor for us. It ought to be something that really sticks with us. And you say, well, I I don't, I don't, well, okay, I'm just going to stop there. Otherwise, I'm going to go over time, Pastor. But just thinking through this, you know, what about you and I? What are we looking for? What are we working for? How much of our time is spent looking on the horizon and trying to say, hey, you know what? God's got a big plan. And COVID's not gonna stop God's big plan. God's got a big plan. And and, and this problem, this health problem, this need, this this situation, this this whatever, this government, none of these things are going to stop God's plan. So what should I do? I should just dig in to communicating the truth of God's word to people. And and invest in people around us all the time. And, you know, I think about this when we talk about this heavenly citizenship. uh, It it really ought to shape our worldview in a major way. And I'll I'll close with this illustration because this one is uh, something that's kind of near and dear to me. Those of you who remember, if you've ever read many of my prayer letters, you know that every March, April, uh, anything that comes out around that time is typically me uh, carrying on in some way or fashion about my recent trip to immigration where you go down to the immigration office in our local uh, our local province there about half an hour from my house, and you go in basically like crawling on your hands and knees. It, it's, it's like I've never been on parole before, but I assume it's what it's like going to your parole officer. Like you have to go in assuming that you've done something wrong, your paperwork's not right, you're going to be in trouble, they're going to they, – they just – love the power and the authority over someone who is, in their minds, probably socially above them. So now they've got the law on their side. They've got the ability to send you home without the, the, the extension of stay or allowing you to stay with your visa. They, they'll kind of play with you and toy with you a little bit. And so they might say, nope, <clears throat> not taking that. Uh, well, you just took it for this other guy last week. Sorry, we don't take that now or, or you, you come in with the list that they gave you of 16 items they want, and you've got all the items, you're like, nope, there's a 17th. Well, where's that? Uh, hang on, I'll write it down for you. Go get that. And it involves a trip to Bangkok to go to the embassy to go get this paper, then get it notarized, and then uh, donate a kidney or whatever else they ask for you to do. Uh, then, so those types of things are pretty typical. And so you've got all this authority. So when you go into that embassy, it's like, man, you crawl in just like, I've got triple copies of everything for all six of my family members. I've got, you know, my, my grandmother's birth history. I can tell you, you know, like how old she was when she first dated my grandpa. I can tell you what my mom ate in 1974 on a Thursday, December 22nd. But, you know, you got to know these things when you go in. And still you go in there, and they're going to say, nope, sorry, bringing something else. Go home, come again another day. It's a terrible feeling. I used to have beautiful hair like Pastor Carsey's. Blonde, I was blonde, that was amazing. <laughs> it was good hair. It, it, it's gone. Why? Immigration and children, and taking children to immigration, all those things, it's just all gone just because of that experience. And so what's my point? Well, flip that over. You know, May 1st, I got on a plane to go from, actually, we drove our six hours to Bangkok. We went to the airport three hours ahead of time to get on a flight. We flew from Bangkok about six and a half hours to Doha, Qatar. In Qatar, we had a, I don't know, two, three-hour layover in Doha. Or maybe it's shorter than that. I forget. Not important. We were in Doha, Qatar. From Doha, we flew, Trevor and I flew to Chicago, and that was about a 14-hour, 15-hour flight, plus the time sitting and taxiing and so forth. Then from Chicago, we flew to Greenville Spartanburg about three and a half hours. And then finally, after about 40 hours of traveling, we got home. But here is my point. When I showed up there in Chicago, I had this magical power you know what it is? I'm not carrying one. It's a little blue book with a, with a golden emblem on it. It says United States of America. And inside, you know what it has? It's a picture of me. <laughs> and I take that thing and I walk up there and I'm not the least bit concerned about what that immigration official is going to think about me at Chicago. Why? Because he can't stop me from walking in. I have full rights and privileges. I can walk in there with my shirt off and barefoot and he can't stop me from coming in. I can start making fun of him and tell him I think his, his hair's ugly or something, which is probably not a good idea, but he can't stop me and say, no, we're not letting you into America. Why? Because I'm a citizen. I have full rights and privileges to walk right in and do what I want to do and be here not within the law, obviously, but come into this country because it's where I hold my citizenship. Guys, that same kind of boldness and awareness needs to shape our worldview. Why? Because this, you are an earthly citizen of a heavenly kingdom. You've got the right and the privilege to go boldly into the presence of the creator of everything. I mean, the ultimate creator of all the universe says, come boldly to my throne and talk to me. And so, folks, I just want to challenge you tonight and say, hey, are you, are you taking advantage of your, of your benefits of being a citizen of God's kingdom? Are you going before God's throne with grace, not crawling in like the, the Thai embassy or the Thai immigration office and say, please, 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 just one time, just one more time, and I'll leave you alone for a whole year. No, we go boldly before the throne of God and say, Lord, Abba, Father, I am needing help. I need you for this particular thing or this particular thing. And, folks, that is a small application of what it means to have an eternal citizenship in God's kingdom. And I trust tonight as we've talked about these things that they'd be good reminders for you. Just remember that all of these things that we let come into our mind, all the sources of information and and, and facts and truth, it needs to filter through this right here. It needs to filter through God's word. And it needs to not be, God's word needs to be the first thing that we're doing in the day. And not competing with getting up and guys I'm gonna tell you because I'm just as guilty as this is the next person and getting up first thing in the morning rolling over turning off your alarm and saying oh how many notifications today okay great so and so texted me no put it away take time get into God's word and let everything flow through your relationship with God and his word let's pray our father we are thankful that in all things you're good you're 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 a wonderful God you're a gracious God you're a a God whose love doesn't go up and down in volume, it doesn't fluctuate, it doesn't change based on uh, our, our really trying hard to have good behavior, but our, our love that we receive from you, it's, there, there's, it, doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. And there's nothing, not height or depth or breadth or width or, or, or things present or things to come or principalities or powers or anything that can separate us from the love of Christ. We know that those who are in Jesus Christ understand there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no there's no future judgment for us, but rather we have the understanding that we are your your citizen of your kingdom. We are ambassadors beyond that, with your truth. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us to have opportunities. I know that boldness is something we all want to be. We're, we struggle with it, Lord. We struggle to open our mouths for these eternal things for fear of not knowing what to say or being embarrassed or uncomfortable. But Lord, by faith, we need to go forward and we need you to bring opportunities to us many times because we're scared to go seek them out ourselves. So Lord, I pray that in this next uh, period of time here, months in this fall and even the next year, bring people to the church family of of Harvest Hills Baptist Church. Bring them to them in their neighborhoods and their workplaces, people who want answers. And I pray that you would give, as we know you will, you'll give wisdom for giving those answers. Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen. Did I tell you you
1: would not be disappointed tonight? Amen. Thank you, Brother Matt. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together, please. Before we take an offering tonight for the Jones... Let's just do like we always do. We bow our heads. He has preached. He has prayed. Now it's our turn to pray about what we've heard tonight as our pianist plays through a verse or two of a gospel song. Let's talk with the Lord about the message tonight. Right now, let's talk with the Lord. Let's do that, please. I'll be down front. If you, anybody wants to meet together, share something with me, have prayer together, you're welcome to do that. But uh, just talk with the Lord. Invitation time. God's saying